Um, we're not going to do a, a full study or anything this morning. Um, what I want to do um, is just spend about maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes um, just walking through something in the Word. And then I'd like for us, um, if you have anything, and I don't know if you do, I don't know if you want to share, but uh, if you want to share this morning what the Lord's been teaching you, what you've been learning, maybe not even this week, what you've been learning from the Lord uh, throughout the past uh, weeks, months, um, just, just a short time of doing that. We're not going to prolong it. Um, and then maybe have some time of prayer uh, for each other and for the fall. But um, turn back one more time to Psalm 34. I don't know if you have your Bibles with you, but if you do, turn back there. I just want to I want to just give a, a quick word of encouragement this morning. You know, when we study the Bible, um, the Bible explains itself. Uh, we don't have to overcomplicate it in terms of understanding it. And sometimes the best way that we can study the Bible is just to walk through it and kind of react to it and take notes on it. Um, some of you have been through the Bible study methods class. I'm hoping to offer that again, uh, either fall or winter, um, just because many people in our church haven't been through it. Just how do you study your Bible? Sometimes people say to me, how do you get so much out of a text? Or, you know, how can we study two verses for four, four weeks or four days? Because the word's rich, okay? The, the word, I always compare the word to a, to a gold mine. When you're in a gold mine, you dig and dig, and then you find that vein of gold. Well, once you find the vein of gold, you don't say, oh, good, I found the gold, I'm done, I'll pull that out and walk away. If there's one vein of gold, what's there going to be? Another vein of gold, right? So you keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. Well, that's what we do with the word. And when we do that with the word, we mine truth and we mine application. We mine things that that will just amaze us about the Lord. So here's what I want to do this morning. And, and hopefully you've got a pen and a piece of paper because I, I just think this particular psalm lays out really, really well. And, and I want to I want to just just encourage us this morning how easy it is to study the word and how easy it is to find God's message to us just by going through it. So I want to I want to take literally like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and just walk through Psalm 34. We're not going to dive in depth. We're not going to develop the verses like we did with verses 8 and 9. We're just going to do a broad overview and, and kind of outline it, okay? Because I think this will encourage us and strengthen us as we go home today. So let's, what, what I'd like to do is just read it section by section, go through it, give you a title for each one, and give you a couple thoughts, uh, and then we'll spend some time sharing and praying, okay? Psalm 34, look at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The first part of this chapter, the first part of this psalm that David wrote is praise. So verses 1 and 3 is praise. Now, always start with praise. When you pray... When you worship, we always start a worship service with praise, right? We want to get our perspective right. We want to get our hearts right. When you go to the Lord in prayer, don't just say, okay, Lord, all right, here's my list today. I am, I am burdened. I got a lot going on, and I got to take care of this, so here's all my stuff, Lord. You don't talk to somebody like that, right? When you call somebody on the phone, you know, hello, I got so many problems today, I just need to dump them all on you. Is that how you start a phone call? 
No, hey, how you doing? I mean, even if it's fake, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm fine, I don't know, I'm not really great. Then you go into it. Well, we don't wanna treat prayer like that. We wanna get our hearts in the right perspective. So when you pray, always start with spending some time praising the Lord. Lord, thank you for your goodness in my life. Lord, I love you so much. Lord, thank you for creating this week and this, this beautiful camp and the sky. And I mean, just when you start with praise, your heart gets in the right place. And I want you to look at one word in verse one that he says. He says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall what? Tell me the word. Continually be in my mouth. Continually means that our constant attitude in our relationship with the Lord should be an attitude of praise. David says, or I forget where it is in the Bible, forgive me, I don't know off the top of my head because it's Friday, that, that whether it's good or whether it's bad, we praise the Lord. Paul says, I've learned whether I'm abased or I'm abounding, I'm going to be content. In other words, in every circumstance, no matter what, and we've learned this this week, that God is faithful, God will provide, God is good, so I'm going to just keep praising him. Even if I don't understand, even if I'm in trial, even if I'm hurting, I'm still going to praise the Lord. So always start with praise and let that praise continually be. And here's what happens in verse 2. When we do that, it says those who are like-minded, the humble, will hear it and they'll rejoice. It's so infectious to be a person of praise. That's why even if you don't like singing or you don't feel comfortable with that, just sing anyway. Just, just praise the Lord because the person next to you may be kind of going, I don't like to praise either, but this crazy person is singing really loudly and they seem to be really in love with the Lord. So maybe I'll sing too. Praise is infectious. It's infectious with our kids too, right? Mm -hmm. Verses four to seven. I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues him. First part is praise, the second part is prayer. Once you have your heart in the right perspective, once, once we get our hearts in the right place and our minds in the right place, then we want to talk to the Lord. Because when you praise him, you realize how much you need him. So David says, I sought the Lord. Now, the next phrase is very important because he doesn't say, I sought the Lord and I hope he heard me. And, and I'm just, I'm continuing to pray in the, in, the, in, the, in the chance that somehow the God of the universe who created those things that we saw the other day, that somehow he hear me. Nope, it's absolute definitive. I sought the Lord, tell me the next four words loudly. And he answered me. He answered me. In other words, there is always a response when we seek the Lord. And look at what God does with that. He delivered me out of all my fears. Verse 5 says that when we look to him, that our countenance changes. Have you ever seen somebody who's spent a lot of time in prayer or a lot of time praising the Lord? that they don't, they're not, Their countenance is different. They're, they're praying. They're like, oh man, today's a good day, isn't it? You're like, why? It's a horrible day. It's raining and we've got to leave and we've got to go back to life and, and, and I've got all these problems. They're like, no, it's a good day. Praise the Lord. I got a friend down in Chicago. He's an assistant pastor. I don't think I've ever seen the guy frown. Like he is always like, and I'm like, you're taking too many energy shots. He's like, no, just the Lord's good. And he's always upbeat, always positive. And anytime I'm around him, I'm like, I should be more excited about the Lord too because his, his whole posture, his whole attitude is infectious. So remind yourself constantly of the awesomeness of God's caring attention.
because God answers when we pray. And then look at what he says in verses 6 and 7. When I cried, the Lord heard me. He saved me out of all my troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Encamps is a good word because we're camping right now. So the, the angel spreads himself around. You remember the story of, of Elisha? I think it's in Judges 6. or No, it's not in Judges. It's 1 first, first Kings 6, I think. 2 Kings 6. I got it right on the third try. One, two, three. Got it right. Second Kings six, the story of Elisha when he's uh, in the town and he's completely surrounded by the armies. Remember that story on the hill? I preached a message on it once a couple years ago, and and his servant is like, "What are we going to do? We're trapped." And I, Elisha prays, open his eyes, and he sees armies of fire of heaven all around the armies. That's this verse. The angel encamps around those who fear him. And we talked a lot about what fear means, okay? Verses 8, 9, and 10. These should be pretty familiar to us. Let's say them together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no one. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The word here is promise. Once you praise the Lord, once you get your heart in the right perspective, once you spend time with him and fear him and, and align your heart in the right way, then God starts pouring out promises. And we've studied these, so we're not going to spend time in them. But what great verses. I hope you never look at these verses the same way again. Because God, when we taste and see, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes, when we taste and see that the Lord is good, we realize how blessed we are to know him. And then you see in verse 10, the continuation of the prayer. Again, that thought reinforced. Those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. So we've got praise. We've got prayer. We've got promises. Now we get to verses 11 to 14. Come, you children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. That seems to be the theme throughout the whole chapter. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The word here that I came up with is the word pursuits. What are you pursuing in life? What's your goal? What's your end game? What do you want to be one year from now? If by God's grace and Christ doesn't come back, if by God's grace we get to come back here next year, okay? What, what will we be then that we aren't now? What are you pursuing? You start the fall, you have goals, you have the strategies, you have schoolwork, you're thinking, I want to make these kinds of grades, I want to accomplish these things, I want to get my house in, in better shape before winter, I want to do this, I want to lose weight before Christmas. Whatever your goals are, whatever your pursuits are, what are your spiritual pursuits? Because he lays out here in verses 11 and 12, uh, excuse me, in verses 13 and 14, some real strong spiritual pursuits. So look at them just for a second. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. If there's one thing we need the Lord to control better, it's our mouths, right? Speaking encouragement, not speaking words of destruction. Honoring our spouse, honoring our parents, honoring our children. Speaking words of life, not words of death. It is so easy, right, to slip into anger, hostility, frustration, discontentment, criticism, gossip, all the things that come out of our mouth. The Bible says in James that the tongue is like a world of fire. I don't want to be a world of fire to my wife and my kids. 
I don't want to be a world of fire to my congregation. I want to be speaking words of life. And if we will slow down a little bit and we'll start really concentrating on how I can speak words of life, keeping my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking deceit, that is such a high priority that our mouths and our words are building people up. And then look at what he says in the next verse. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. What happens when you depart? You don't wander away. Today we're going we're gonna to leave camp and we're going to have to get in our cars and go home. And hopefully all the stuff that we brought is going to fit back in because I'm not real sure in my car. So I may be looking to some of you. By the way, if you want a caravan on the way home, uh, we can all leave together if you want. Stop in whatever, popcorn store, whatever we want to do. But if you want to ride home together, we can all leave at the same time. Anyway, point is, look back at the verse. Depart from evil. When you depart, you leave. And unfortunately, you don't come back. So he says, depart from either. In other words, don't just kind of stay near in proximity to evil. Well, I've got my options open. So if I'm frustrated or I'm seeking pleasure or I'm angry or I just feel like it because I don't feel like being holy today, that, that I've got this at arm's length. So it's there as an option. Now, I'm, I'm probably not going to do it, but at least it's close by. The word here is leave it. Get away from it. Don't give it any room. Because the devil will keep trying to lure us back and lure us back. And the Bible says, nope, that's not the way to do it. Get away from it and instead pursue what's right. Pursue what's good. So as you set out your goals for the fall, students, set out your goals for the fall, parents, as you think about, all right, what's fall going to be like? What are we going to do? Don't start with your tangible goals. Start with your spiritual goals. And I would encourage you that those be part of it. Okay, verses 15 and 18, we're almost done. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. That's about the fourth time he said that. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are troubled in spirit. The word here is protection. Protection. God, so many times in this chapter, says, I'm protecting you. I'm helping you. I'm near to you. I'll come there when you have trouble. And I love that phrase, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. You're never out of God's sight. You're never out of his awareness. There's never a time where he's distracted. There's never a time when he's not paying attention. There's never a time when he looks away because he's so disgusted by our sin. There's never a time, if you love the Lord, where God isn't looking absolutely, completely, intently at you. You ever look at your kid when they're doing something and they don't know you're watching? They're kind of like, wow, look at them. Look at how they have grown up. Look at, and, and you're just filled with that pride and that love and that care. And you just can't believe that, that that's your child. Well, God looks at that, us that way all the time. Constantly looking, constantly watching. We may be doing something else. We may not even be thinking about God in the moment. But he is actually looking at us. And his face is toward us. But look at what his face is against. His face, verse 16, is against those who do evil. Oh, that's not very politically correct. God loves everybody. Yes, God loves everybody, and Christ died for everybody, and anyone who calls on his name will be saved. 
But you know what? If you continue to defy God, God's going to start to turn his face against you. And those who are against the righteous, the text says, the Lord hears them. The Lord hears the righteous and he watches those that are opposing the righteous. And he says, no, I'm not going to put up with that. You're hurting. You're brokenhearted. I love verse, 19, uh, verse 18. If you're in trouble, you're brokenhearted. You're, you're crushed in spirit. I don't know if you've ever been crushed in spirit, but that's a miserable feeling. The Lord comes near. This is his protection. This is his help. David read many times throughout the Psalms, Lord, you're my strength. You're my shield. You're my, you're my buckler. You're my, you're, my, you're my protection. You're my armor. You're always near me. You, you cover me in the shadow of your wings. You hide me in your presence. All throughout the Psalms, it's a great word study or concept study at some point. All the times where David says, Lord, you protect me. God's not going to leave those that love him out in the cold, right? Would you leave your kid out in that thunderstorm last night? What did I hear? I was standing on the, on the thing as the storm's coming in. And all I heard were parents saying, come in, come in. Don't stand out in the rain. You know, and our teenagers out there, that's fine. Let them have fun. But, but when it started to get serious, come on in. Because God's not going to look at us, the ones he died and rose again for, the one he declares his own, the one he says, you're my child, and say, just hang out there in trouble. Just let it fly. Live your life. Do your thing, and I'll stand back here and watch. He says, I'll be your protection. I'll be your help. You need me, I'm there. That's what the Lord does for us, this protection. Look at the last part, verse 19 to 22. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them. Tell me the next word. All. all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The last word I came up with was power. Praise, prayer, promise, pursuits, protection, and power. And look at the awesome power of God before we share. The Lord delivers them out of all their afflictions. Out of all their afflictions. Now, does this mean you will never have problems? No, it doesn't. Does this mean you will never have physical ailments? No, it does not. Does it ever mean there will be emotional struggles and relational struggles? No, it does not. So you say, well, then the Lord's not keeping his word. No, that's not what the Lord's talking about. He's talking about our spiritual afflictions. God will deliver us out of all our spiritual afflictions. Those who try to do evil, those who are, do evil against the righteous, God says, nope, not allowing that. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to cover my own kids, and I'm not going to allow anything to happen to them. But look at the last part. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. We talked about the concept of refuge. When we take refuge in the Lord, when we hide in the Lord, when we find strength in the Lord, God will always, always, always take care of us. And I don't know any better promise that we can have heading into the fall as we go back today and go back to reality. I know, it's the worst part of leaving camp, right? You go back to reality. Saturday, Monday, you go back to work. Kids are starting school, and, and, and it's going to start to get cooler. And, and the time we've had, it's just a time of refreshing together as the body of Christ. Now that's going to just kind of alter. And we go, ugh. But the promise we have from the Lord is, I'm there with you. God's not staying here. 
He's going to be here and he's going to be there. And he's going to watch over us. He's going to help us and protect us. So taste and see the Lord's good because when we take refuge in him, be blessed. And when we fear him, there's not going to be anything we need. Okay? That's an encouragement, right? Let's pray and then we'll share. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the time we've had in your word. And Lord, we love your word, how easy it is to extract truth because your Holy Spirit is a teacher. We thank you and I pray that this encouragement this morning, Lord, that we've seen from your word will strengthen us as we go. Lord, I already uh, see and feel the weariness uh, in all of us as we are struggling a little bit with our health and as we think about going back. It's there's already a little bit of joy that's been lost as we think about the obligations. But Lord, I pray you'll change that. And I pray that we'll go back with enthusiasm and strength and we'll go back so ready to serve you and to see what you're going to do in our lives this fall. Lord, what you're going to do in our families this fall. We pray, pray protection over our families, over our kids, over our grandkids, Lord, that you would work in a mighty way in their lives this year that we would see spiritual progression in them as we teach them and train them up in the way that they should go. And that our walk individually and our walk as families would be strengthened and that we would see your goodness in our lives. Lord, we love you and we hold to these promises because these are unbreakable promises. And we thank you that you are a God who is faithful like that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.